Good morning, good morning, good morning. The sun is shining, the birds are chirping, and you are breathing. Today is Wednesday, March the 17th, 2021. My name is Stephen Cornegay, and welcome to This Is Just a Thought. Today's word of the day is 2-bit, which means cheap, trivial, or petty. 2-bit. I hope everyone is having a uh, lovely St. Patrick's Day so far. I hope you enjoy yourself. Not too much drinking, of course, but you know that goes by the wayside. The Grammys are over, and it looks like the women came away as big winners. Beyonce, of course, up-and-coming, uh, somewhat newcomer, Billy Irish, and the surprise of the night was Megan Thee Stallion, who took home two Grammys. First time up. Outstanding. Which is really surprising. Like I told you in a previous podcast, I can remember when rap wasn't even a category. I can remember when they uh, did include rap. They would just announce the winners, you know, best rap album of the year, best rap duo or whatever, best rap group. And they would just, I won't even say hand out the awards. I think a lot of times they were mailed to the artists. Then eventually they got around to actually having rap on the show. So it's surprising also, not only just to to, to see Megan Thee Stallion there, but to have her perform. That was surprising, especially her song. And, And well, let's be honest, her music can be a bit raunchy at times or all the times. And to see her actually perform and perform with another female rap artist whose music is somewhat raunchy, too. That would be Cardi B. That was a surprise. And I, I found out, or or something came up uh, yesterday, I believe, about Cardi B and um, this young lady, Candace Owen, a, a conservative Republican, and, and they're going back and forth, which I totally can't understand. Both of these women, I, I would think they would have more pressing issues than to uh, go back and forth, and somehow, some way, some words or tweets were exchanged, and now Candace Owens says she's suing Cardi B. Uh, still not understanding that. Like I said, I think both of these women have more pressing issues than to go back and forth on Twitter. But then again, that's the day and age we live in, I guess. I guess, whatever. But anyway, kudos to Megan Thee Stallion and her two Grammy wins. Outstanding. And uh, <laughs> I'm sure all, by now, we all have uh, heard of or heard the audio, the viral audio of the uh, exchange, if you will, between Kirk Franklin, a well-known Grammy Award-winning gospel artist, and his son. Now, when I first heard the story, I, I, well, when I first read about it, I was thinking they said, you know, Kurt Franklin in a verbal altercation, a verbal argument with his son. I'm thinking his son was a a, a teenager or at best a young man, you know, you know, a young a young kid. Turns out this young man or excuse me, adult is 30 something years old. 
Why are you recording a phone conversation between you and your father? Well, he says that he, he wanted to expose his father or just let everyone know what he has to go through in his dealings with his father. Well, I heard the audio and <laughs> poor Kurt Franklin let him have it. <laughs> he let him have it with both barrels. <laughs> I don't mean to laugh, it's, it's, but he let him have it, that, that, that Christian, that Bible thumper. Uh, he was cursing like a a a, a, a Baptist, <laughs> old Southern Baptist boy. They they can curse you out, and he let him have it, and probably rightfully so. I mean, I don't think this is their first argument. As the son, uh, you know, said that he wanted to expose his father and his dealings with him. But my question is to this thirty-some-odd-year-old uh, adult: Is first, why are you recording a conversation with? Between you and your father, I, I understand that you wanted to get your point across, but that's totally uncalled for. You're an adult. Uh, adults don't do that or not supposed to. I know we live in that this age of the Internet and everybody wants their five minutes of fame. Maybe that's what he was shooting for also, but it backfired. How did it backfire, you ask? Because his sister came out and, well, it's no surprise what she said. Pretty much, bruh, what's wrong with you? Daddy got you, you know, into college, paid for you to go to college. You didn't have a, a good grade, so that's how daddy got you in. I guess he pulled some strings and got him in. Hey, no problems there. It's, it's done a lot. But she went on to say, you dropped out. Now, college isn't for everyone. I, I, I totally understand that. It's not for everyone. But I would think when most people drop out, a lot of them, and I know some may, may loaf around for a while, but at some point in time, you got to get up and do something with yourself, whether it be getting your job or becoming an entrepreneur or what have you. But for you just to, to, to release this recording and then turn around and say that you're not releasing the full recording because it's embarrassment. Well, the recording, the part of the recording that you released was an embarrassment. And I think it, it was just a, a ploy or a stunt. I mean... Yeah, you and your dad may have problems, but you just don't put it out there in public like that. There there are many ways to handle something like this, and that just won't it. <laughs> but like I said, man, Kirk Franklin laid him out. He laid him out. And he probably, truthfully, to be honest with you, probably should have did this years ago. Because that sounded like something that had been brewing for a while, and he was fed up. He was just fed up with it. That's what it sounded like to me. It sounded like a father who was fed up with his son's nonsense. Come on, you're, you're, you're a grown man. You are a grown man. I know life is hard. I'm not going to dispute that. It ain't easy. But you're grown. You're an adult. At some point in time, you got to pick yourself up off the ground. Can't rely on your family all your life, son. And it also sounded like uh, Kirk Franklin was was saying, hey, enough is enough tired of the disrespect I'm fed up I'm fed up and the young man goes on to say that his father hung up the phone with no apology well uh, like I said at that point he sounded like he was just fed up with that nonsense and 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 sometimes you have to catch yourself and say hey call it and say hey I'm out of here and that sounds like what happened but if I could say anything to his son it would be to um 
you got to get yourself together. You got to make better decisions and choices because the decision to put that out there like that, no, that's not how you do it. You can blame your father for many things, but at the end of the day, you're an adult. You're your own person. You got to take start taking some personal responsibility. Really, you really do. Now, uh, also, I'm sure we've all seen the uh, incident between the police and the African-American female from Chicago. That was told multiple times to exit the vehicle. Which she I guess she had some type of medical condition. Or maybe that was a rouge. Because what eventually happened after a few minutes of the police and they weren't talking harsh to her. There were two other people in the vehicle that complied, got out, stood in the back, stood in the behind the car in the back while this officer tried to coax her out because they, like I said, they weren't talking harsh or abrasive towards her. And he was, I think the police officer was very understanding of, of her condition, whatever it was, something with her leg, I believe. And the last time he asked her to get out of the car, she looked as though she was coming out and then she reached back for something. So you hear, show me your hands. And that was the first time you heard, show me your hands. Because before it looked like she was on a cell phone or something. And I guess, you know, she had a cell phone in one hand and the other hand was visible. But like I said, when she looked like she was getting out of the car, she did reach back for something. And he yelled, show me your hands. And I guess that's when the gun came out and the gun fire exchange happened. She's okay, by the way. I think they took her to the hospital. I believe she did get shot. No police officers were injured. Or the two other um, people that were inside the vehicle, they they were okay. Um, we live in a society now where we're, we're all constantly reminded of police harassment, excessive police force, and you did this. All I can say is, is thank the Lord he had on the body cam and it was turned on because it showed every instance of that altercation. And as I said, we live in this society now where the police are front and center for their uh, treatment towards African-Americans. This could have went south real quick. Real quick, this could have went south. Even if you had the gun in the car. And as she was getting out, she yelled something or alluded, alluded to, I'm not going back to jail and started shooting. You know, even if you had a gun in the car, just get out. You already explained that you were you were having problems, you know, with your leg or back or what what have you. Just get out and take the L. I understand you said you didn't want to go back to jail, but come on now. When you're caught, you're caught. Take the L. Deal with it. And did you really believe that somehow, some way, you wanted to shoot it out with the police? I never understood that. But like I said, I get the idea people don't want to go to jail or go back to jail. But they pulled you over for a reason. They didn't. It doesn't look like they just randomly pulled you over just to be screwing with you. And then you pulled this. Got to start making better the choices. You really do. That that was piss. That was a piss poor choice right there. That could have went south real quick. You could have been killed or injured or killed. One of the officers or any of the officers could have been injured or killed. And then we would be right back to where we were this past summer.
Come on. Really. You got to make better decisions. That was totally uncalled for. In fact, it was quite ridiculous. Now, moving on. Uh, Georgia Tech is the ACC champions. UNC took a loss to Florida State. Didn't even make it to the championship game. Oh, those Tar Heels. Between Tar Heels and, and, and the Bears, Chicago Bears, I don't know which one's going to send me over the edge first. I really don't. They, they, they're both. They have the talent. They have the skills. But they seem to can't pull it together. So anyway, Georgia Tech is the ACC champion, champions. And once again, I said the Bears, the Chicago Bears. Oh, my Lord. What, what, what is going on? I, I, I don't understand half the mess that that front office does. Well, yesterday, they signed former Dallas Cowboy quarterback Andy Dalton. And if you follow football, you, you know who you remember Andy Dalton. He, he was at the helm before Dak Prescott came around. And let's just say he didn't have a, a, a his performance wasn't that good. So I don't know why the Bears would sign him to a uh, one-year deal. I believe they said um, one-year one year deal, $30 million, $10 million in incentives. What did you see that the rest of us didn't see? Because that made no sense whatsoever. I understand Mitch Trubinsky isn't performing like you thought he would, but growth and development. But to go out and and, and Andy Dalton wasn't isn't exactly what I would call that a good veteran quarterback because when he was with the Cowboys, his performance was just uh, it wasn't up to par. Hell, half the time it wasn't even on again, off again. It was just off. And for the Chicago Bears to go sign them and to spend that amount of money, I don't know. Maybe maybe there wasn't weren't any other uh, quarterbacks around. I know at one point in time there was a rumor or or what have you about them pursuing uh, Russell Wilson from the Seattle Seahawks. I guess that dream fell through. I, I, I guess I, I really do. I, I don't know. I don't know. That's 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 definitely a, a head scratcher right there. Attention. Attention, attention to whom it may concern. I had a carton of eggs in the fridge and it's gone. Whoever took those eggs, please know that those eggs are not from a chicken and are not meant for consumption. If you have not consumed them, please discard. But if you have, Please see me for the antidote. The egg or eggs are from, are from a rare bird in Africa. Thank you. That little note comes from a, 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 a lady. I, I didn't get quite where she was from. But from a lady who, um, you know, if, if, on most jobs, you, you have a, you know, of course, you have a break room. And you bring your lunch or whatever, and you put it in the fridge. Or if you're fortunate enough, you may have a little dinette area where they let you cook a little something on your lunch break. And this apparently what what this was. She had 
bought some eggs in to uh, cook when she got hungry or whatever, one egg. You know, a lot of people do that during the day. An egg is a quick fix and gives you a lot of protein and energy. But apparently, <laughs> someone had been taking her lunch or stealing her lunch, which I never understood also why people would go into a workplace refrigerator and, and take someone else's lunch. Uh, first of all, it's wrong. Second of all, why would you eat somebody else's lunch? That, that's germs. You don't know how they prepared it or you don't know. Maybe they ate off of it. That's germs. I, I, I don't I don't know. Maybe the fellow uh, or whoever was hungry. But <laughs> sometime later, this gentleman came forward and come came forth forward and told on himself, exposed himself. Said, yeah, you know, pretty much, yeah, I, I, I ate your egg. I guess he said, can I have the antidote? Well, he, later on, he found that it was just a, a, a ploy to, to out him, which what he did, there was nothing wrong with the eggs. She just left that note to stop it. I guess she was fed up because apparently it wasn't the first time that this had happened. It had been going on, and it goes on a lot in the workplace. Like I said, I don't understand why people would do that. That's a bit too much for me that is I, I i've never done that nah, like i said too many germs and it's more importantly it's very disrespectful very disrespectful to take someone's lunch now um there there's a, a serious issue on the uh border of the united states and mexico i'm sure you all heard that too the biden administration is now having to answer questions as to why there's a border crisis. What they're saying is pretty much he put the call out, hey, come to the United States. Or he opened the border back up and allowed people to start crossing in. And there's a humanitarian crisis with the children. And, and of course, I don't know. I couldn't get the gist of it. I don't know if they're still separating these kids or, or what have you. But there's a crisis on the border. And I know a lot of you weren't fans of President Trump and his immigration stance. But for the most part, in my opinion, especially now at this time that we're living in, it made sense to halt and say, wait, 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 wait. No, we can, we cannot allow you to cross that border. We're in the middle of a pandemic. Now, I know many people are saying we have the vaccine, the numbers are going down, but we're in the middle of a pandemic. You don't want those numbers to go back up. Now, like I said, I'm not, I'm not being arrogant or facetious or, or being evil or mean, but come on, common sense logic will tell you, if you're in the middle of a pandemic, vaccine or no vaccine, your COVID numbers are going down, why would you allow multiple people to come into the United States? Even if you hold them at the border and put them in detention camps, you, you don't know what they've been exposed to. And you're possibly exposing the rest of this country. Because what they're also saying is, I mean, these are the ones that they can get to or catch. What about the ones they can't? They can't catch everybody coming across that border. Think about it. I understand the humanitarian side, the compassion and understanding, but come on. Like I said, there's a pandemic going on. At some point in time, you, you, you do have to step up and say, whoa, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute. Let us get control of, of, of this situation before we create another one. Another one. Well, that's what's going on with this previous administration. 
and, and their um, immigration policy. We'll see how this plays out. But at some point in time, it, it's not being mean or arrogant or facetious or being what, whatever you choose to term it. It's just good common sense to halt everything on that border and say, wait a minute, no, you cannot. I understand they're, they're fleeing from a hostile country or hostile situations, but no, not, not, not now, not now, no. Now, for most of, of us, the $1,400 COVID relief or stimulus checks are out, which is a much welcome relief to those in need. But I read an article and it brought up an interesting point. And I thought the same thing when I first, you know, those stimulus checks started rolling out. And they're saying they were for COVID relief for those that were unemployed or lost their jobs or, or, or what have you. And, you know, for the businesses also. But as it relates to those uh, $1,400 stimulus checks, and you remember the, the first round, the 1200 and $600. Like I said, I read this article and it did bring up a very interesting point. Because I, like I said, I myself had uh, thought about it. You know, not everyone is out of work. There are some of us, quite a few, that are still working. I mean, the numbers for unemployment are high. They, they really are. But in a recent Pew survey, you know, the Pew, the Pew Research Center is a uh, nonpartisan fact tank that informs the public about issues Attitudes and trends shaping the world. How do they get these uh, surveys or, or these numbers? Through public opinion polling and demographic research. Now, in this recent survey, they concluded that 79% of American families say their financial situation is about the same or better than a year ago. That would be your office workers who work from home and the paycheck was still coming in. You got your office workers. You got those that, of course, are on, on the front line in the medical field, even though they're, they're I mean, they're, they're, they're just stretched thin. And, of course, you know, you have those in retail, like myself. And I often say I'm blessed to still be employed because I've been down at an unemployed road before. And it's not an easy road. It's not a happy road. It ain't even bumpy. <laughs> it's just... Wham! So I, I I certainly understand, and I'm not undermining that. Don't don't you dare think that I've been down that road. But the gist of this survey was to show that just maybe, or not maybe, if you really think about it, a lot of those checks that went out were to some people who didn't need it. But I, you know, nobody's going to turn down free money. Why would they? And especially if they've been working and working and working for years and years and years and the government says, hey, we're going to give you a $1,400 or $1,200 or $600 check, then yeah, of course you're going to take it. But I think there would be more uh, of an accountability issue and, and, and that may be hard, especially now. But like I said, and like the survey said, there's a lot of people that received the check that probably really... They received the check. That's it. They're still working simply because, you know, the pandemic and, and, and I guess it's hard for them to uh, account because they just said anyone that filed taxes and make this amount a year, you're going to get this check. But uh, I don't know. 
Now, the, serv- the survey also found that among low-income earners, also 31% say they were worse off than a year ago, of course. That would be hospitality workers, your waiters, waitresses, bars, restaurants, your leisure industry, hotel, cruise, and cruise ships, and tourism. You know, the cruise ships, they stopped. There was no movement. They said, no, we, we can't go anywhere. Now, but... Like I said, they also found that two-thirds of this group said their situation was the same or better. Like I said, they would be frontline workers, office workers, or retail workers that are fortunate and blessed enough to still be working. So I guess what the survey is alluding to is a little bit of waste. Yeah, it's a whole lot of waste if you think about it. But, I mean, hey, like I said, they're, they're, no one's going to turn down free money. Now, the stimulus side, and then there's a, a relief side. But the stimulus side is uh, economists say that there might not be much need for stimulus right now. Sure, millions are unemployed. 10 million, to be exact, was I believe that's one count. And of that 10 million, 4.1 million who have been jobless for at least 27 weeks. That's like seven months or more. Some, well now we're going into a year and, and some change. But the reason why the economists are saying there may not be a need for a stimulus because the February job numbers they're saying were a lot better than expected. And with this stimulus, they're, they're worried. Some are worried, some are not, meaning the economists are, are talking about inflation. They're, they're saying there may be a sharp rise in some market interest rates. Too much stimulus, they're saying, could accelerate it. Yeah, well, I get that, and, and I understand that. But yeah, truthfully, if you think about it, if you're putting money out and people are spending, 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 there may be a rise in that inflation, but they're saying it is really not. And on that note, <laughs> I have to mention this because I don't know if you, you've you realized, but I have, gas prices. Gas prices are rising. Why are gas prices rising? Well, according to some economists and theorists, they're saying that gas prices are rising because people are traveling again. So things are opening back up. People are, are taking, you know, little trips or, or vacations or what have you, and they're driving and they're saying they have to rise the price, raise the prices because it, they're, they're producing more, putting more out. So the prices have to go up, go up. (laughs) No way. Come on now. I, I know better than that. Yeah, people are out and about and they're traveling more and, you know, taking little vacations or or trips or what have you. But come on now. I think that's just an excuse for you to raise the price because there ain't that much traveling going on in comparison to a year ago. Because you got quite a few people that are saying, I no way don't care what is going on. Vaccine or no vaccine, lift of restrictions or no lift of restrictions, they're not moving. So are you telling me that there are more that are moving versus those that aren't moving and out and about. I think not, you know, that, that gas pricing nonsense and the excuse they give for doing it or the reason they give for doing it. 
doesn't make sense. It never has made sense. But to see gas prices rising like that, no. No, 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 no. I know better than that. Now, let's move along. There's the relief side. Now, the relief side is, of course, to those that, that are out of work. But what they're saying is with those, you know, the first round, the 1200 and the 600 a lot of people, the vast majority used it to pay down a debt. And some saved the money. This seems to be a good thing to me. Some folks saved the money. Now, 40% of the money was used to purchase also supporting industries, your food, your beauty, your non-durable consumer products, which at that time they were saying when those checks went out, a lot of those industries had, uh, well, all of those industries had seen spikes in spending before the checks went out. That was during that time when everybody was running around buying up everything in the grocery stores and at the department stores, you know, when, when people were rushing in, buying all the food, the milk, the eggs, and the toiletries. A lot of people, what, what was the, you know, I never understood what the hoard, the thing was with hoarding toilet tissue and paper towels. But what they're saying is that relief side of the, the, the stimulus check, of course, some were used to, you know, they used it to pay down debt and save money. But the uh, a majority of them, majority of us, 40% of us, just went out and started buying stuff. Well, what they're saying is that with that, that may be perceived as a waste, which I kind of thought it was. I mean, everybody was out buying toilet paper and paper towels like it was going out of style. And they were buying food like it was a, a, a hurricane or a snowstorm coming. Bottom line, what they're saying is a lot of those that got stimulus checks may not have really needed it. And it may have been just a waste. I mean, how much toilet paper do you need? Really? <laughs> like I said, I work in retail and man, we couldn't keep it on the shelf. Toilet paper, of all things, couldn't keep it on the shelf. They were coming in. We had to put a lemon on it. Folks were coming in trying to buy cases of it. And I thought to myself, man, what the world is going on? Why is everybody buying toilet paper? But like I said, stimulus or relief, whichever side you're, you're with, or if you're with both, you have to truthfully and realistically look at the situation and say, did everyone need a stimulus? Do you really need a stimulus if you're still working? You still have a paycheck. There are those out there that didn't have anything, didn't have a paycheck. Unemployment, some for many people ran out. That's another issue. So those folks didn't have a paycheck coming in from anywhere. Of course, they needed a stimulus or relief. But what about us that are that were still fortunate and blessed enough to work? There's only so far of a stretch you can get with with not turning down free money. I'm just saying, what? well, you know, what do I know? I'm just rambling. Don't mind me. Now, here's a very interesting story or stories, and, the, and I'll tie these together. Just give me a moment. But I want to first take you to this, this aspect of it. Now, everyone here in North Carolina knows that there's an election coming up in 2022 for the U.S. Senate, well, the U.S. Senate, Congress, House of Representatives, 
There may be some local elections going on in certain, you know, counties or cities or what have you. But um, there's a, a U.S. Senate seat that is becoming vacant. And that is held currently by Republican Richard Burr. We all remember Richard Burr, don't we? January 6th, Trump impeachment vote, censorship from the Republicans in the state. Now, like I said, we all remember Richard Burr. And like I told you previously, many people have said he received his walking papers. Well, there they are. He got those walking papers because he's not even trying to be reelected. He knows he's not going to get it. Now, there's one Democrat who has officially announced he will not throw his hat in the ring for the soon-to-be up for where the up for grabs uh, North Carolina Senate seat. Now, and that would be Governor Roy Cooper. He announced he's not going to run for it, as he says he's he promised the people of North Carolina four years, and that's what he's going to give them. That's the great politician, great politician's phrase. I promised the people that elected me in that I'm going to give them four years and I'm going to do it. That's not really the reason. Surprise, surprise, surprise. Now, North Carolina has its first African-American lieutenant governor, Mark Robson, who's a Republican. Ooh. Now, if if by chance, in the instant that, uh, instance that, Governor Cooper did run and won. That would leave the governorship passed on to the lieutenant governor, who is Mark Robinson. Now, side note also, North Carolina is, is, is one of 17 states that allows for the governor and lieutenant governor to be from different political parties. I think that's going to change after this one. I think they're going to somehow, some way figure, you know, it's, it's not a good look. Because these two are, of course, not just from separate parties, but are the staunch opposite. Governor Cooper, of course, a Democrat, is a liberal. Lieutenant Governor Mark Robinson is a strong conservative. Like I said, he's the first African-American Republican to uh, be elected to the, the office of Lieutenant Governor. Now, he made headlines before running and winning. Coincidentally, against an African-American female Democratic legislature representative named Yvonne Holly. That's how he got in office. Now, he became well-known during a, a city council meeting here in Greensboro, North Carolina, in 2018 for his pro-gun rights. Got up and spoke and, and denounced that, or denounced that the, you know, the, the, the gun legislation or the gun laws that were trying to be changed. And, and he felt as though it was a direct violation of his constitutional right to bear arms. Said you don't have the right to uh, take it away from him. He gave a very passionate, passionate, passionate speech blasting that city council and blasting those that uh, oppose gun rights. Now, also in the past, he's made disparaging remarks or comments about transgenders, a Jewish filmmaker, Muslims, and others. So apparently what Cooper is saying is there's no way in the world I'm going to leave the people of North Carolina in, in his hands. Now, Lieutenant Governor Mark Robinson, there, there's, there's a, a, a lot of things he says 
that can be, I think it's how he says it because he's, he's very blunt and forthcoming with it. There's no politician in him. He, he wasn't a politician. This is his first political office. I believe he was just a regular guy. And I have to say he is, in my opinion, one of, if not the first truthfully that has held his ground that the first politician that actually was elected and got in office and, and what he ran on is actually what he is doing now. So he gets a round of applause for me. Hey, how many times have we elected people and they got to Washington or they got, you know, in, in the seat, whether it be local or what have you, and done absolutely nothing or did the complete opposite of what they were elected, what they ran on to do. They did nothing, but he's, he's on it. He gets a round of applause and a hearty thank you for me. Cause like I said, he's one of the few politicians I've seen that actually has done or will do what he is or what he has ran on. Case in point. Now, like I said, he has made disparaging remarks against transgenders, one of the groups. But what is going on now? Now, I, I, and, and let me give you also another backstory. Because it's something I didn't know, I hadn't realized, and I've been in North Carolina my whole life. Apparently, the lieutenant governor, not only is he, he the lieutenant governor, but one of the things or one of the positions he holds is he's the chair of the state school board. Now, anybody in North Carolina know there's a lot going on with this state school board, with a school board everywhere, and the state has picked up the issue. Now, like I said, he's made disparaging remarks towards transgen transgender transgenders, and one of the things that has kind of came up is now there's a new, a new debate, if you will, as it relates to transgenders and those that are transitioning, or what have you. This latest debate is uh I didn't know naivete on my part but this latest debate is in regards to those that are transitioning and their name change on school documents now transgenders or transgenders are saying they no longer want to use uh their dead name now a dead name is used by transgenders to describe their birth name over their chosen name. So, and they're, you know, they're saying that once they decide to make that transition, they want to have the right to change their name and not only change their name, but be addressed by their chosen name versus their birth name. Now, supporters are calling the decision by the State Board of Education and the State Department of Public Education that has formally notified school districts in North Carolina that it is officially updating the Power School student information system to display a preferred name that would be used on most school records. They're saying it's a game changer. And it's used also to help combat the anxiety and dysphoria of being confronted or called by their birth name as opposed to their chosen name. Now the change will go into effect later this month during a system update 
the change will go on most records, your state reports, your report cards, your teacher grade books. Now, the Department of Instruction says, however, the legal name will still be shown on official state student transcripts. can't understand that discrepancy that I'll get to that in a little while that's whatever Whatever. Uh, supporters go on to say the change will help those transgender students emotionally and help with the risk of them being outed or bullied also the change respects who they are rather than misgendering or misidentifying them Okay, all right. There's a lot going on with this school board, man. They, 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 wow, didn't, hey, like I said. Now there's the conservative side. They're, they're not, of course, not so welcoming to the change. A, sp- a spokesman for the North Carolina Values Coalition, which is a nonprofit educating and lobbying organization, said it is not up to public school systems to implement a change to a student's name or his or her gender identity. North Carolina law allows for changing birth certificates for fully transitioning hmm. so school system. They go on to say the school system shouldn't get involved because it's being used for a tool for social engineering and indoctrination. Now, this goes right along with what Lieutenant Governor Mark Robinson ran on, his stance against what he terms as indoctrination also in public schools to push for forward social engineering. Now, in fact, also yesterday, he held a press conference to announce uh, a new task force he was forming to give students, parents and school faculty a voice to speak out about cases of bias, inappropriate materials or indoctrination to see or if they experience anything like that of the sort in public schools. The name of this task force is FACTS, Fairness and Accountability in the Classroom for Teachers and Students. So there you have it. Now, I don't want to seem unsympathetic or heartless to those that are transitioning because yes, they do need, they deserve some protection and they do do deserve some understanding also. But let me just say this or, or run this scenario, scenario by you because also the Republicans are saying that it's not up to the schools. It's up to the parents and the, and the person that uh, the, the person that's transitioning, the student that's transitioning. That's something that, that, that should be dealt with on that end, not in a public school setting, And legally, by law, if you do change your name, you're supposed to change your birth certificate, and then you go from there. Like I said, I I get the argument from those that transition. Hey, if it's your decision to do do that, then by all means. But if I could say anything to you in regards to this changing uh, or the school systems changing uh, the the power school uh, system to where they're actually uh, allowing the, the preferred name to go in, that is, how far is that going to get you? 
because I think I would I feel safe in saying this. A lot of those, when you graduate or what have you, or even if you're still in school, whatever your decision is after graduation, let's say, not not just in school, but let's say you graduate and you you you're, you plan on going to college, or if you're not going to college, you plan on getting a job. Or, or what, whatever you're planning on doing to better and, and further yourself. As small and trivial, trivial as this sounds, in, in over my 47 years of my life, I've learned that the small and trivial things that you don't take care of usually turn out to be something later on down the road that has become monumental and it, and, and, and it has to be taken care of then and there. So I, I would say take care of the small things first. If you're choosing to transition then you need to legally change your name because what's going to happen is when you get out of school, that's not going to carry you. But for so far, they already said that they're going to only update, you know, a few items, but it, your birth name is still going to be birth name or dark name, dead name is still going to be on your transcript. So if you're trying to go to college and you giving them the name you preferred versus the name that's on your transcript, that's a holdup. And if you get, get out of school and you decide to go or work and, and when they ask for your ID, I've seen a lot of people that would possibly be hired, but the ID didn't match. So that halted the whole process. And a lot of employers are not going to wait for you to get your identification issue straightened out. They're going to move forward because even though it's, it may seem small and frivolous, it's a huge thing, especially now more than ever in this day and age. You know, I, I tell people all the time, and I don't mean to jump off off uh, topic here, but 9-11 changed a whole lot. A lot of IDs that were thrown out of swag or didn't match. had to, You know, you had to get those things situated and straightened out. So if they're implementing a program that's only going to change your school records, but not your official transcripts, when you get out into the world and your ID doesn't match your preferred name, that's a holdup. That's a hindrance. So if you're going to legally, I mean, if you're going to do it, do it legally. Change. I mean, if you make the decision to say full heartedly, I'm going to transition and this is who I am. Change your name on your birth certificate. This school thing is only going to get you so far. It just is. It's only going to get you so far. Legally, you have to have an ID, birth certificate, social security card. If you're going to go through that full transition, you need to make the full transition. Change everything legally. So you won't have any hindrances or holdups. Now, I could be wrong. I mean, maybe at some point in time, maybe once again, they'll let that slide by. I doubt it. I really do. Don't hold yourself up. Second thing for me is why is the school system involved in this? This has nothing to do with education. This is social engineering and indoctrination. How are you as a school system involved in something like this? There are more pressing issues that the school system have to worry about. And I'm not downplaying this because it is a major issue. And, and a lot of people that are, are, are transgender, 
they do face discrimination and harassment and bullying in school and hell, even in the world. I get that, understand that wholeheartedly, and yes, I do. But what does this have to do with education and academics? Nothing. There's no way in the world you should be involved in this. Perhaps that's why the test scores are so low. There are more social engineering topics being discussed than academics. Once again, the state of North Carolina finds itself in a dilemma COVID-19. I know COVID-19 with the possibility of test scores being extremely low. Some of the midterms that high school students took, they're saying those numbers were low. Some of the the test scores that, that those in K through uh, fifth or, or sixth or whatever, the little midterms or mid-grade or mid-semester, mid-year uh, standardized tests or pre-standardized tests that they took are low. There are more pressing issues that we need to deal with than this. Education, academics, that should be at the forefront right now. Like I said, I'm not downplaying the plight or the need or the want for those that are transitioning. I, as a parent, feel more, feel more than capable, and I know I'm more than able to explain to my kids the differences of people around them in the world. I don't need a help. I don't need any help. I don't need your guidance. I don't need any pamphlets from you. I can do it myself. Now you may say to yourself, but what about those parents who do need that help? Get help elsewhere. Leave the school the way it is supposed to be for education and academics. It is not a social club. I know most time it does appear as such. And I'll give you that. But at the end of the day, you're supposed to be teaching, educating, not making sure the students are socially aware of what is going around going on around them. I know that sounds old and cliche as but it's up to the parents. And if the parents aren't doing their job, then I don't know what to tell you. But I do know I can handle it pretty well. Now, I do come across sometimes, like I do much on this podcast, as being harsh or insensitive. And I'm working on that. But that's just the way it was given to me. That's just how the world showed me. And it it has made me a better person for it, I think. And I don't think my kids are weak. Not by any stretch of the imagination. But I do think and believe wholeheartedly when you are in school and you're telling kids about this it ain't education it just ain't it's you pushing forward a social agenda to say hey society you parents you don't have enough wherewithal to do this so let us a government entity take over and explain it to your children because we can do it better than you. No, you're not. You're just not. You can't. 
you you know, it's what's amazing to me. Sometimes I've seen that people make the same things they argue and fight for and against. They'll turn around and do the exact same thing and say it's for a greater cause because that's what's happening here. You're indoctrinating kids with something that they may not be ready for or something that you may need to leave up to the parents to do. And I know I've had uh, multiple conversations with my children about this issue because I noticed that it it was becoming a big issue. And I noticed that there, there were a lot of, Hey, kids in their schools that live, that made that choice and live and live this, this, this lifestyle. If I can say that. I have to be careful with my words because I don't want to offend anyone, which I'm not trying to do. So I've had conversations with my kid about my kids about that. So I don't need you butting in. I don't need your input. I need you to do one thing and one thing only, and that's to assist in the education of my children. Like I said, I know some people may say, well, there are a lot of parents that don't do that. Well, you know, they better get on board because what's happening now is your kids are being indoctrinated with it, whether you like it or not. So, yeah, there's a big fight going on with the state school board. Like I said, Lieutenant Governor Mark Robinson is up in arms and rightfully so, because in my opinion, he's spot on about it. He's he hit that the the. the he hit it dead on the, the head. Hit the nail dead on the head with it. That's what you're doing. You're not doing it for the greater good. You're pushing a social engineering indoctrination program through the school system. A school system that is blatantly struggling with just the basics of education. Test scores are horrible. We went through a whole year of virtual learning where we now find out that the kids can't keep up with the basics. Because as you all know, with standardized tests or mid-year standardized tests or exam exams for the high schoolers, there, there's a portion when you first get there where they do a, a great review and then they go into new material before, you know, they go on to the second half of the school. So this mid term or mid mid level uh testing that that has been done has shown quite quite a lot that the kids aren't learning they're not learning the academic side of it can you imagine that psyche i mean can you really imagine that psyche that is going on now that the kids aren't learning they have an extreme problem problem learning or problems learning. So like I said, I'm going to wrap it up. If I could say anything, one, like I said, if you want to transition, transition fully and legally, change that birth certificate. And as it relates to the school districts or the school board, you can go somewhere with that indoctrination mess. I'm more than capable and comfortable. I know multiple parents who are and they do their job. Don't need any help or assistance from a government entity. Just don't. Don't want it. Now, well, that's all for me today. And I want to thank you all 
for lending me your ears this morning. Continue to like, support, share, offer feedback. Anchor has a great feature where you can leave a voice response, and I would love to hear your voice. Like I always say, I won't bite physically, verbally I may. So offer your feedback. You can also follow me uh, on Anchor, Spotify, Google, Google Podcasts, Breaker, Overcast, Pocket Cast, and Radio Public. Also on Verbal and WordPress. You can make monetary contributions. But continue to follow. I enjoy doing this podcast and I hope you enjoy listening to it. This is Stephen Carnegie for This Is Just a Thought. Amen.